This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me per usual is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I got to poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just uh, revving my pretend engine when I'm on the freeway. (laughs) I don't have a V8 like you. Like these stock cars. It's dangerous to get in a car and drive after watching the movie we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Although I do have a, a zoom zoom button on my Mazda because <laughs> it has that, that sport button that you push. Oh, yeah. Where everything's like kind of geared towards economy. And then if you want some, want some extra ponies, you push the sport button and it wastes a lot more gas, but you have power then. Otherwise, it's like a Taurus or something, you know? <laughs> Why would you ever turn that off? <laughs> Save on gas. <laughs> but uh, my, my I can get got, over 500 miles a ga- uh, tank. My car's got that MDS. <laughs> it shuts shuts off half the cylinders when you're cruising oh, yeah. automatically. But yeah, then you that, don't lose uh, power. Yeah, that know. sport mode automatically turns off when you go on cruise control. But like if you're... Like cruising on the highway, even if you're not in cruise control, like if you're not accelerating, like it goes into eco mode mm. and it, it runs on four cylinders. But like when you hit the gas, like it, it goes back to eight. So you, you don't lose the power if you need it. Mm. But, uh, you know, gets you up to maybe 15, 16 miles a gallon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I would say, you know, a little more about cars than I do which may not be saying much, but I think both of us don't really know Dick about NASCAR. I think I'll, I'll say that uh, Tom Cruise's character was very relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I got in, a dri- in the car and I drove and they told me to drive and I drove good. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's about it. <laughs> and I remember growing up, I used to hear Rubbin's racing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably from the movie, but also from NASCAR fans. I think this is uh, pretty true to the sport. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Maybe they exaggerated some ways. Like, like he won five out of six races, which was like, even today is like impossible. Mm-hmm. Like to win five out of six weeks. Unless you're uh who was the guy that won like five titles in a row, six or seven? Oh, like Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Johnson, I think. Yeah, like he won the like the series championship, but I don't think yeah. he ever won like five races in a season. Maybe he did, but not like in a month. Yeah, a month, a month and a half span. Like that—that's ridiculous. You have like fifty guys out there in a race. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that the same guy wins every time. <laughs> I guess we should officially announce the movie we're talking about. It's Days of Thunder from 1990. Yes. 
we're finishing up our summer of Tony Scott until, of course, November when Top Gun 2 comes out. We'll talk about Top Gun. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Top Gun is fantastic for anybody who doubts that. I I don't know what movie you watched, but it probably wasn't <laughs> Top Gun. And uh, this movie is pretty similar to Top Gun. In fact, that was one of the criticisms I saw from the so-called critics. I don't know. Like it's, uh, I guess if you didn't like Top Gun, like I could see you saying, oh, it's too much like Top Gun. I don't like it. But like if you like Top Gun, I don't see how you could not like Days of Thunder. Yeah. Like, I don't know. A lot of times, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's it's like a movie that I like, and it's like the same quality as that movie, but I don't like this one. It's like, well, like, both can be good. Well, it is missing a scene with Michael Rooker and Tom Cruise with their shirts off playing volleyball. That's true. Although right away, like I got the feeling from Tom Cruise, like he was giving off major Top Gun vibes because I was like, Cole Trickle, now he seems like a guy whose mouth writes checks, his butt can't cash. <laughs> well, you knew it when he rode his mo- motorcycle onto the, <laughs> the track as his introduction. <laughs> Like, I didn't know they let you do that. <laughs> I like how he timed it perfectly, too. Like, you waited for them to start talking about him, and then he's like, oh, that's my cue. <laughs> Would you tell me that this this dude's Christian name, his, his given name is Cole Trickle. That is his birth name. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me that he, everybody's, like, shocked that he's a NASCAR driver? <laughs> <laughs> like, Cole Trickle? What else was he going to fucking do? like with a name like that yes let's uh get into some of the details here and then we're going to talk about some of the real life people that inspired the characters in this film was one of them dick trickle is he that old (laughs) dick trickle he committed suicide oh yeah because his name was dick trickle (laughs) (laughs) is it richard trickle i don't know dick trickle is name of dick at birth (laughs) It's like that, uh, like if you take a piss and then you get that little dribble afterward, that's a dick. Oh, is that what it is? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea that's what you're getting at. (laughs) You lost me. (laughs) Well, that's, I I don't know which one came first, the race car driver or the the incontinence, but. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously the incontinence. They're, They're one in the same. But Dick Trickle is a legitimately the name of a, a former NASCAR driver who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Much like the director of today's film, Tony Scott. This came out in 1990, and it was a uh, Don Simpson, Jerry Brockheimer production, just like Top Gun and many other works before uh, Don Simpson finally uh, had too much coke one day. <laughs> Uh, Don Simpson actually makes an appearance in this film. He plays, uh, what's his name? It's a made-up character. Aldo Benedetti. Yep. Kind of supposed to be like Marco Andretti, which is an indie driver. So, like, I didn't know why they're like, hey, let's get an indie driver in here. Like, reference, because Cole used to drive indie cars. I don't know if that's why, but it was kind of weird. I don't remember I don't know if I would recognize Don Simpson on site. What uh, was he just like in a uh, like? What scene was he in? Do you remember? Uh, he was in two. 
uh, right in the beginning when they're showing some of the, like you said, I think you see Richard Petty and you see some other real life drivers, uh, kind of the opening scene. And then, um, at the very end when they're interviewing people, uh, it's okay. him again and he's in okay. his racing attire, uh, kind of longer hair, dark hair, like black. He seems like the type of guy who would be like, yeah, I want to play a race car driver in my race car driver movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a really great Charlie Rose interview with him. And I think it might be might be Brockheimer's with him. He's with somebody else I know, but Don Simpson is coked out of his mind in this interview. It's on YouTube. It's pretty great. Just sweaty. <laughs> he sounds a lot like a uh, like Herb Abrams, who was a uh, pro wrestling promoter in the early '90s. <laughs> who died like snorting cocaine off of hookers while having an orgy or something like that. Or mm. I, I can't remember, but they did a dark side of the nineties on him, on him and uh, his promotion, the UWF or not dark side of the nineties, dark side of the ring, uh, which I would highly recommend because it sounds a lot like Don Simpson uh, in that they both died doing what they loved mm-hmm. hookers and blow. <laughs> you could say Don Simpson maybe partially inspired that character to romance, but as we read, it was supposed to be Joel Silver, and maybe uh, Tony Scott didn't want to, you know, piss off his producer partner. But that definitely seemed like could have been Don Simpson. <laughs> You're not. Uh... You're not telling me that Don Simpson's the type of guy who would buy $2 million <laughs> worth of cocaine, would he? <laughs> he would if it was only <laughs> for 200 grand. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of stuff like that going around back then. All right. So Days of Thunder. Did you notice in the credits, it says story by Robert Town and Tom Cruise? I didn't notice it when I watched it, but I just noticed it here on IMDb that Tom Cruise got a story by credit. Yeah, and Robert Town also got credited for the screenplay. But yeah, Tom Cruise with a story by credit. Cast, Tom Cruise as Cole Trickle. Robert Duvall as Harry Hodge. Is it Hodge or Hoggy? I forget. I think they said it like once in the whole yeah. movie. Nicole Kidman as Dr. Claire Lewicki whose accent is really showing through here. Yeah. yeah. She, I don't know if she was like trying to hide it, but I don't think she was. I mean, well, she, I wasn't. Think she was, but she wasn't, but I don't know well. if she was trying to. Uh, Randy Quaid as Tim Dolland. In a serious role. He's very yeah. serious actor, Randy Quaid in this movie. Except for one line, which we'll get to later. <laughs> but uh, he says it in a serious way. <laughs> Uh, Carrie Ellis is Russ Wheeler. Michael Rooker is Rowdy Burns. Former presidential hopeful Fred Thompson is Big John. Remember when he ran for president? Yeah. I was it 08 or 2012, maybe? It was 08 or 12. One of, one of the two. Yeah. I think he was a senator, too. Uh, he was on, like, Fox News or something mm. as a regular. Uh, John C. Riley is Buck Bretherton. I always forget that he's in here, <laughs> which makes you know the Ricky Bobby 
Talladega make a little more sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it makes more sense, but like you, you start thinking, is there a connection there? <laughs> like, are their characters related in some way? Like his character in Days of Thunder, is it related in some way to the Talladega Nights? Well, he starts out in Talladega Nights as a pit crew member, just like here. But he stays a pit crew in this movie. It's just funny that he parodies his own movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, J.C. Quinn is Waddell. Don Simpson as Aldo Benedetti. Uh, Carolyn Williams as Jenny Burns. Chris Ellis played a character named Harlem Hoogerhide. <laughs> I don't remember who that character was or uh, who, I don't know who Chris Ellis is, but that's a funny name. Harlem Hoogerhide. Richard Petty had a tiny little cameo. I don't think he spoke. You kind of see him from behind, I think. But he's in I think here. the I think the opening credits montage, like he gets run into the wall or something like that. Or yeah. like the announcer says he got run into the wall. Mm-hmm. A couple more cameos we'll discuss in just a minute. But the synopsis is a young, hot shot stock car driver gets his chance to compete at the top level <laughs> to become Top Gun. <laughs> I guarantee I'm going to win Daytona next year. <laughs> he guarantees that it went at Daytona like five times. And then he mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he finally does it. <laughs> uh so Rusty Wallace is also in here. Neil Bonnet was another NASCAR racer at the time. Harry Gant. So Tom Cruise play Cold Trickle was based off of Tim Richmond. I remember this because uh ESPN did a 30 for 30 about him about 10 years ago. And Tim Richmond was uh, one of the first drivers to switch from Indy to NASCAR in the mm-hmm. 80s. And uh, he's pretty successful and is pretty popular with the ladies and ended up getting AIDS and then <laughs> dying from AIDS in 89. Well, that took a turn. Mm-hmm. Like, I think at the time of his death, like 70 drivers or something went and got tested <laughs> for AIDS because everyone was freaked out about it. But also, uh, he had to make a comeback once or twice. He was out of racing a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think in 88, uh, he tested positive for performance enhancers. And then they found out later it was just Advil and uh, I think a muscle relaxer or something. It was some other, oh, a Sudafed. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, oh, what the fuck is this? This isn't banned. And it was like, oh, our bad. And so there was a lawsuit. He sued him. And uh, like they wanted his medical records and different things. Like there was a kind of a big mess. And I think they settled for an undisclosed amount, but I think his final appearance was in 88 or 89. Cause he, he died soon thereafter. Kind of a guarded secret at first, like, Oh, uh, he died from a motorcycle accident. And they're like, Nope. <laughs> he was just very weak <laughs> from AIDS. Yeah. And uh, died from uh, complications of AIDS. And Tom Cruise said, that's a great story. <laughs> Let's do that, except the AIDS part. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Let's do that, but with a happy ending and no AIDS. Robert Duvall played Harry Hodge, who was based off of Harry Hyde, who was a race car driver and also a, a crew chief throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He also won the 70, 1970 championship with Bobby Isaac. Michael Rooker's character, uh, Rowdy Burns, was based off of Dale Earnhardt. 
Now the name isn't similar at all. And the number is not similar, but the car color is, and the sponsor on the car, I believe were like the same sponsors for Dale's for a uh, same as Dale's car. Who was the sponsor on Rowdy's car at the beginning? I forget. I'm not sure, but when I picture Dale's car, it's good wrench is like one of the major sponsors. That's right. I was thinking Budweiser, but that's Dale Jr. Yeah. Number three, the Intimidator. (laughs) (laughs) You go in the right parts, you still see number threes on there, you know, on the back of their cars. Yep. Uh, And Dale Sr. also died in a a crash. I forget, was it, it wasn't at, was it at Daytona? I think so. But it wasn't until like the early 2000s, I think. So I'm looking at his car here. Yeah, good wrench. It was always a you know black paint with a little red trim. Yeah. And that's what they have here. Let's make sure. Yeah, it was at Daytona during the Daytona 500. Yeah. I forget what year. Oh, the year was... Uh, Is it 01? Yeah, 01. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It was like the, the last turn on the last lap of the race. Mm-hmm. It was such a mellow looking crash. He just kind of bumps the wall a little bit, like with the front end of his car and didn't look like he's beat too bad, but it snapped his neck basically. Obviously that was 11 years after this movie came out, but uh, there's a driver that they mentioned died going into the wall that Harry was crew chief for. And so he's kind of out of racing right now possible investigations he was trying to avoid an investigation because they thought he like tinkered with the, the car or something mm-hmm. and uh something that he did caused him to crash yeah buddy that was uh buddy brotherton was the guy that died in the movie you never actually see him or the crash or anything like that but his mm-hmm. son is john c Riley, uh buck okay yep um, so Carrie Elvis, Russ Wheeler is uh, patterned after Rusty Wallace. Randy Quaid played Tim Dolland, and he was patterned after uh, Rick Hendrick. He's in Hendrick's Motors. Yeah, I think he's one of the. He's been one of the top, uh, like team owners in NASCAR for decades now. Yeah, and Fred Thompson was Big John, and he was inspired by. Big Bill France, who basically founded and operated NASCAR. Of course, his name is Big John. <laughs> <laughs> such a such a name for it's like the perfect name for a, a NASCAR chief or you know like a commissioner or whatever. Yeah, like all these names just scream NASCAR driver. Like of the characters in the movie. You know what else screams NASCAR? The opening montage with all the Confederate flags. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those in the beginning. <laughs> they would subsequently be banned in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> sure were. <laughs> and also, like, even before the rubbing is racing line, like, as the movie starts out, I'm like, okay, this is back when racing was racing, back when you could rub, you know? <laughs> Back when you could bump cars, sides, put them into the wall. Like, you can't do any of that shit now. You'd be suspended for a year at least if you did that. It did seem like there's a lot more contact in uh, the Days of Thunder 
racing universe than there is in the modern day NASCAR. Because mm-hmm. well, we could get into it a little more, like, but like once Cole starts racing, like when they do the montage of his like losing races, like he destroys his car in every race because he's like just bouncing off everybody. Yeah, and he's running the car too hard, blowing engines, ruining the tires. I don't have the vocabulary. <laughs> Let's get to the first clip here. This is uh, Randy Quaid, the owner. Well, he wants to be an owner. He wants to get a car, and he needs Harry to build it for him. He needs him to come out of retirement. See, so you're enjoying a good life, Harry. Yeah. Well, I don't mind spreading a little fertilizer around now and then. There's worse things. How's the truck running? Runs good. I, uh, I want you to build me a car. Now, Tim, everybody knows some downtown car dealer can't afford a race team. No driver worth a damn is going to sign with you. Because they wreck one car, you can't afford to build them another, and they're out of the deal, you know. And no car's going to win without a driver. Not even mine. If you built the car, I'd get a damn driver. What kind of driver are you going to find after the season started? Some old boy that's washed up. And one worth of shit to begin with. You can work with it. You can build a driver like you build a car, Harry. Tim, take a look at that hound. That's the best coon dog I ever seen or heard about. And I didn't teach him a damn thing. Well, I got somebody. Who? Take a look at him. Anybody I got to take a look at ain't somebody. And take a look at nobody. Look, Tim, I give up racing. You got to know that. He didn't give up racing, Harry. He quit to avoid an investigation into Buddy's crash at Daytona. Hey, I didn't avoid any goddamn investigation. Well, anyway, I uh, I talked to NASCAR, and if you come back in, there won't be any investigation. How the hell you sell them on that deal? I'm a hell of a salesman. That's right. He owns a uh, Chevy dealership in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know if this is, like, is this how... Hendrix got into it. He had a dealership and he's like, you know what? I want to join NASCAR. Do they just let anybody get into NASCAR? Like you just have to have a car. I mean, I didn't look into it all that much, but I did see Hendrix. Um, I mean, obviously he's a huge name now. Uh, he might've started off a lot smaller, but I see that nowadays he has, I don't know if it's dozens or like hundreds. Like he has a lot of affiliated dealerships. <laughs> He's got a lot of money in dealerships. So, I mean, it's possible he started out, you know, with one or two dealerships, used car, and then worked his way up to owning five, 10, 20. Mm. And so like, like the Hendrix, it's like a brand, you know, I forget how many are affiliated, but a lot of dealerships. They just make it seem so easy to get into NASCAR. You just have to have a car and a driver and you're in. I'm sure it wasn't like the time. The, I'm sure it's harder now. Well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure even back then they had like the lower levels of, of racing because they have like yeah. they have like the major cup series and then they have like the secondary cup series and then they have like the truck series and then like mm-hmm. they have like the, the dirt racing series. Like there's like levels to it. Like and like you get 
I think now it's like 50, 50 to, you know, maybe 55 drivers in a cup series race. But then like, I don't know, maybe a third of those are from the secondary series and you get maybe 40 or 50 guys driving for those races. And so like, there's a, there's a limited number of spots and like, there's hundreds of drivers trying to get in. So it's, it's weird that they're just like, I guess you can come test the car. And if you're good, I guess you get in the race. Yeah. Or maybe back then, like you just paid an entry fee. <laughs> it was just like an open invitational. And uh, like anybody could pay their $500 fee to get in and run the race. Mm-hmm. Although he paid $2,500 to, to rent out Daytona or wherever they're testing the car at. Before I forget, I should, I wanted to point it out. Are you frozen again? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> your hands are like, you know, why are you holding your hands up like this? <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> hey, it's from a racing movie. Talladega Nights. <laughs> I guess I would recommend this movie just because there aren't any movies about NASCAR, really. This and Talladega Nights. And you learn more from this than Talladega Nights, of course. Yeah. And there's other racing movies, you know, Ford versus Ferrari is pretty recent, mm-hmm. but there really isn't all that many movies about racing. You know, I remember Not Stallone really. had that no. terrible uh, indie movie. It's called Driven or I think it's Something called like Driven. Yeah. I think there's one called Driven and then what? There's one called Rush. Yeah. With uh, Hemsworth. I never saw that one. And I haven't seen either of those ones. I think that was another uh, indie or Formula One or something. Yeah, it was, it was one of those open wheel ones. Mm-hmm. Open uh, wheel, the mm-hmm. term that uh, Robert Duvall drops. It's literally <laughs> open wheel. Your open wheel car. Your wheel is exposed. Your, your wheel was twice as wide and your car was half as heavy. And now your car is twice as heavy and your wheel is half as wide. <laughs> yep. Even if you're not into NASCAR, this Days of Thunder is a hell of fun movie. Yeah, I would I would definitely say um, like the energy or just overall kind of trails off in the second half, but I think it starts out with a fury, especially the first half hour. Yeah, especially like the uh, like all the B-roll they filmed of the like, actual races and whatnot, and they edited mm-hmm. together with you know shots of rowdy or cole and how they even splice together uh some of the stone work with the crashes and the spin outs now some of it is pretty obvious in that it seems like every time there's a, a wreck with cole or rowdy or a spin out there's only like three cars in in frame <laughs> they're always by themselves right no they have plenty of those because they got b-roll footage from all these real races yeah but yeah, they, they edited it together pretty seamlessly. So it isn't like the frenetic editing that we see in Man on Fire and Domino and stuff. It's, it's much, uh, I guess, <laughs> slower. Like nobody would call this editing slow, but compared to Man on Fire, <laughs> it yeah. is. But uh, it works perfectly here. Really transports you to like someone outside of like knowledge of NASCAR, you know? don't really know Mm. much about it it really kind of teaches you a little bit and kind of plants you in the driver's seat so to say 
it immerses you in the world of NASCAR. It's really accessible in that way. Yeah. They make the race scenes exciting. Like one of the things that people don't like about the NASCAR races is because you got to sit there and watch them drive 500 laps. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this cuts down to just the exciting parts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then they're like bumping and, and rubbing and running into the, the wall and stuff and trying to pass. And like it's just the exciting stuff. And yeah, they get you in the car with the drivers and right up close and personal with the cars as they're, you know, yeah. trying to pass and stuff. And like I said, exciting. this was back when racing was racing. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I could really watch an NASCAR race now. No rubbing, just going in a circle for you know four hours don't know if i could do that what's once or twice a year they do those uh, road courses don't they i think nascar is a one or two a year yeah i think they yeah i think they have at least two maybe three now and i think i could watch that that might be fun but yeah for a while maybe watch the last like half hour or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know i never got super into nascar like when it like when I was in college in the mid uh, in the late uh mid to late aughts NASCAR started to become really popular and uh you know I'd watch it once in a while on TV but like I wasn't like super into it but like it was interesting for a while and then like it just gets boring after after so many times cuz it's like the yeah. same thing over and over again yeah i mean drivers with personality can it can take you a ways but only so far. I mean, some of the like only stuff I care to watch on ESPN, like those highlights, basically the drivers are fighting, you know, <laughs> like jumping out of their car and well, yeah, going after that, people. It's the stuff that happens outside the cars <laughs> that's that's more interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I used to like to go on to uh, Yahoo Answers when I was bored back in college, and I'd go in the NASCAR uh, section and Yahoo Answers, and I would tell them all that it was fake. And that it was predetermined. <laughs> <laughs> the NASCAR was all work. Like they they figure out the winners beforehand. It's all it's all scripted. And they get so mad at me. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're mad about. That's how it is. <laughs> it's like, how can you script all them crashes and shit? Like, have you seen a movie? Like, <laughs> like it can be done. Yeah. Uh growing up. Uh, my cousin actually used to race, you know, dirt track. Um, I forget which class his car was, but he was a decent, uh, he's pretty decent at it. He wins sometimes. And then he, I think he'd go around. He mostly raced in my hometown, but probably hasn't raced in at least 20 years if not longer. But yeah. I have a, a friend of mine, his nephew races and his nephew, he races modifieds. And he started, I mean, he started like with go-karts when he was a little kid and he's still only like 17. Like he started racing against, you know, like regular dudes when he was like 15 years old, just a (laughs) tiny kid in this car. And, uh, it is kind of interesting. I've, I've went and, uh, seen him race several times. And, uh, like since he's like a kid, they have to put extra weights in his car you know, to make them all equal. (laughs) And Tom Cruise, I'm not sure if we have it on the clip or not, but he talks about how, you know, all the cars are designed to run the same basically. Right. Yeah. 
they got all they got to weigh the same they can only go well as fast as the limits of i guess the engine and the aerodynamics allow hmm. yeah but it is pretty interesting that way you do bring up a good point too like these nascar families like they start their kids driving like racing go-karts when they're like five years old mm-hmm. like it's almost like wrestling or boxing or something where like yeah. they start the kids super young and then they're racing like full like stock cars when they're you know before they have a driver's license when they're like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. they're racing cars like that they couldn't drive on a street yeah legally and so like, like i'm sure in the south this is far more common but up yeah. here in central minnesota it'll, they'll he'll go down to like arizona for races and whatnot and compete down there and some other states but he mostly stays around the midwest and central mm-hmm. minnesota but um like i don't know of any other drivers his age at all yeah but um yeah he's uh, pretty good too um but yeah anyways yeah i'm sure it's much more common in the south <laughs> you go by uh, one of the carolinas or alabama georgia but yeah, like sometimes you'll see like a a driver in NASCAR who's like 20 years old and like he's a phenom or whatever because he's mm-hmm. at the highest level at that that age. But like he's been racing stock cars like since he was 13, you know. So it's like yeah. like he's got experience, but he doesn't have age. So it's it's strange that you could just pluck somebody out who's like 25, 30 years old and be like, "Well, I'm gonna be a NASCAR driver now," because <laughs> mm-hmm. like. Like you got to work your way up. Like it's, it's like every other professional sport. Like, it, you know, it. I guess it's technically a sport, even though like, <laughs> I, like I can drive my car and turn left too. Like, you know, does that make me an athlete? <laughs> like, maybe if you switch you, to a manual, <laughs> maybe. But uh, yeah, so like, it's something you gotta like. Uh, suspend your disbelief about in in watching this movie uh, that Tom Cruise could just walk in. I guess he had indie car experience, but like mm-hmm. having zero experience walking in and just be like, "Yeah, I, I did okay in indie car, so I I'm just gonna do this now." Mm-hmm. Somebody did that later. He was a Helio Montoya or something. Yeah, I don't know. Several did. I just know all I know is Tim Richmond was one of the first. But I think in uh, Talladega Nights, Sasha Baron Cohen's character was a parody of uh, one of the European drivers that made the mm-hmm. switch. Danica uh, Patrick did it. Did she drive Indy? I don't remember. I, I think so. I think that's where she started. Maybe. Still, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a sports news station, ESPN. I, I switched to it one day. And it was time trials for an upcoming NASCAR race. Big letters on the bottom of the screen. Danica Patrick is sitting on the pole. <laughs> but I lost my shit. Oops. It's like they got to come up with a different way of saying that. Phrasing. Well, let's uh. look up Danica. Yep. Yeah, she was an Indy driver. Okay. She won the 2008 Indy Japan 300. And is the only win by a woman in an IndyCar series race. Everybody took the weekend off, huh? (laughs) (laughs) After after driving with the Japanese drivers. 
I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, We're not very far into this movie. No, we're going to talk about. So Tom Cruise makes his entrance on his motorcycle. They're going to let him drive Rowdy Burns's car Mm -hmm. until Harry finds out that this guy is from California (laughs) and has never driven a stock car before. And uh, he has second thoughts. That's why everybody hated Jimmy Johnson because he was from California. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, what's his name? The other pretty boy was from there too, wasn't he? Um, Gordon. Yeah, Jeff Gordon. I think he was from California also. It's like those guys came in and won all the NASCAR races in the in the nineties and two thousands, and everybody's like, "Oh, the fucking California guys! They're not one of us." <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's a clip. That was fast. Yeah. 31 flat. That's good enough to take the pole in the last race here. <laughs> Hell, I thought this was going to be a joke. You never drove a stock car before? Yeah, sprints mainly. What's your name? Buck Brotherton. What's yours? Cole Trickle. It's damn nice to meet you, Buck. Damn nice to meet you, too, Cole. You unlucky son of a bitch in that tunnel turn, because that car was way out of shape. Well, you think it was luck? Let's do it again. You run good? Thank you. Now go get your own car. We'll see how you do in the crowd. So, how come you don't stick to open wheels? Lost my ride. After two championships and seven straight wins, you were fired. I lost my ride. Doesn't matter. I'd have quit regardless. Why is that? Wasn't going anywhere. Well, where do you want to go? Indianapolis. Unless you can't win an Indy without a great car, my name's not Andretti or Unser. On the other hand, stock cars are stock cars, pretty much the same. Hey, there's nothing stock about a stock car. Look, I'm not trying to insult you. All I'm saying is stock cars are built to run equal, isn't that right? So the rule books say. So I don't have to worry about getting beat by another car. In other words, all you have to worry about is getting beat by other drivers. Yeah. You build me a car and I'll win Daytona next year. Lofty expectations for himself. Very cocky. See, I also wanted to point out the. Uh, it was fun learning about the history of NASCAR. Why it's called stock car racing. Because the moonshiners needed to have a, a stock looking car, with a lot extra underneath the hood, so they could outrun the cops and evade the man who deliver booze. Those old Duke boys. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Is uh, Harry just is always drinking moonshine? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like different flavors. He's got like peach and cherry and yeah. He like throws a couple cherries in there. Like that's gonna change the taste. <laughs> and when he drinks it, it's like he's a mason jar, and it's always like half full at least. It's like that will wipe you out. Yeah. He's built a tolerance, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, well, then we get a little montage of him going through growing pains, and uh, that song kicks in with the uh, "Give Me Some Lovin'." Good soundtrack, good score by Hans Zimmer again. Hans Zimmer liked working with Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons that makes it so entertaining and engaging uh, to me especially that first half hour helps keep the pace of the film going. 
Yeah. Maybe they just couldn't get enough hot tracks for the second half of the film. But um, yeah, but I love that a, montage. Gets a little more serious in the second half. Yeah, I love that bass guitar riff, and that gave me some loving. Yeah, it's a great, great song. And uh, so, yeah, he's going through some growing pains. He's getting uh, getting bumped a lot, run to the wall a lot. And we have uh, Harry explaining, uh, rubbing to him right here. Okay, I'm going to pull this rookie's chain. Cole, you're wandering all over the track. Yeah, well, the son of a bitch just slammed into me. No, he didn't slam into you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And Rubin's son is racing. Like in that uh, that montage, like he's naming all the different parts of the car that got wrecked that they got to fix. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he, like he's, he blows his engine and he pulls in and uh, like it's, his car is like completely smashed up. And uh, John C. Reilly goes, oh, look, there's a part that we don't need to fix. <laughs> and fucking Robert Duvall just kicks it. He's like, I don't want you getting spoiled. <laughs> And then there's that other uh, part of the montage where he pulls into pit and Duvall tells him, I want you to get back out there and hit the pace car. It's still under caution. You know, he goes, why? He goes, because you hit every other damn thing out there. I want you to be perfect. <laughs> you know, they get more frustrated with each other. And uh, Tom Cruise says he needs to pit. And uh, Harry says, uh, we're busy right now for eating ice cream and they're just relaxing in pit row you're you're freezing up again there buddy well i stopped because i finally heard you talking so <laughs> oh well you're getting uh your, your picture's frozen and your audio's getting kind of robotic robotic Yeah, so uh, everybody's eating ice creams in the in the pit row, and uh, Cruz wants to pit, and they say, you know, keep going. So he uh, he finally loses his patience, slams into the wall, gets out of his car, and just fucking starts a melee with fucking Robert Duvall <laughs> in the pit row. He starts fighting his uh, his crew chief. <laughs> And uh, his owner is not too happy about it. And uh, it leads us to our next clip. We messed up big time on Sunday. I had sponsors in the stands, and I'm hugging and holding hands and kissing them in the ear and praying for a good showing. And what do we do? We end up looking like a monkey fucking a football out there. Everybody out. Please. Except you two. I've got a question. What is the one thing you absolutely need to do to win a race? That's pretty damn obvious. You keep quiet. You need to finish the race. Tim, I realize Harry's been around a long time. I'm not saying that his ways are antiquated, but it helped to have a car that handled properly and didn't blow engines. Well, if he wouldn't get excited and over-rev, the son of a bitch, the engine wouldn't blow. Now, Cole, when you shift the gear, 
And that little needle on the tack goes into the red and reads 9,000 RPM. That's bad. It's also my fault if the tires blow. Yes, this old fart. Well, hell yes, it's your fault. There's 40 other vultures out there who managed to finish the race on their tires. You see Darren Waltrip using up his tires? It's nothing I can't do with a race car. Well, that's the difference between you and me. There's only so much I can do. That's obvious. Harry, he doesn't need to appreciate your job to do his. Well, he sure as hell does. How can he expect to race if he don't know what a race car can and can't do? What is this shit, huh? You want me to work the pit and you drive? Fine, we'll try that. I can't talk to this son of a bitch. I can't talk to that son of a bitch. I really can't. I can't. I can't. Think he can drive? Oh, he can drive. He can drive beyond the limits of the tires, the engine, the car, anything else. If, if the son of a bitch listened to me, we wouldn't hardly ever lose a race. They don't get us a sponsor in the next couple of races. My ass is fried. I'm liable to be out of the car business altogether. And Harry, I know you're great. You know you're great. But if the guy in the car didn't trust you, we're never going to win a damn race. They have to work together. Yeah. That's tough because uh, Tom Cruise doesn't know any of the terminology <laughs> or anything about cars in general. Basically, yeah. He's like <laughs> us, but like he can drive really good. <laughs> it's like, I just know that I like to drive fast and I'm good at it. So they uh they have a little uh little heart to heart. Well heart to heart. They do a little test, they're gonna drive fifty laps Tom's way or Cole's way. Should we say the character names? Keep saying the actor names. Yeah, I go back and forth. And then uh fifty laps Harry's way, and we're gonna see which one was better. And uh Cole driving his way just eats the shit out of his tires. Driving Harry's way, the tires are good, and he's six seconds faster. So he's like, I guess I'll do it Harry's way. Mm-hmm. And then they then he wins five out of six. So it's been in a lot of races. And he's the new hot thing in NASCAR. And after their we first t- their first win. Yes, I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> say, should we talk about that? Yeah. They're drinking moonshine as they are wont to do on uh, the back of the their trailer. It's yeah. hauling the car and whatnot. First, that I realized they were in the trailer. <laughs> I thought they were just at somebody's house or whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I didn't realize they were like on the road. Yeah. Like, they're in the back of a, a truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get well, they have, like over. a heart to heart about like Buck starts talking about how his dad died. Yeah. And which is kind of uncomfortable because it was. Uh, Harry was the crew chief for his dad. I'm sure there's some blame or going yeah. around or he blames himself, but Buck never seems to bring the issue up. Right. The thing is, it's like they're having a real serious conversation and then the police pull them over and uh, they line them all up outside the, the trailer. Like, You're under arrest for transporting moonshine with the uh, intent to distribute. And uh, 
they have a female cop inspecting Cole and she's just straight up like starting grabbing his dick and stuff and undoing his pants. <laughs> just just sexually assaults him like, as the other cops are like, hey, isn't that cool? Like, isn't that fun? <laughs> See, I was going to ask you, do you think, so did Harry hire a stripper or a hooker for Cole? Or both? I don't know. That stripper that turned tricks. Pretty le- <laughs> that cop uniform looked pretty legit. As did the police car that <laughs> she rolled in on. Because the scene basically cuts right after she's done touching his junk. You think she was a real cop? No. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the scene doesn't end there. She doesn't just say, okay, like, that was hey. a good laugh. See y'all later. But yeah, it seems like uh, the next step was, I don't know, go back in the trailer and I don't know if they were going to run a train, but at least Cole was getting <laughs> his dick wet. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Uh, it was unexpected, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess he could have reported it to the, the real cops appeared to be right there. Like, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's the deal? Did the cops just like like just find a girl that just runs tricks in the or turns tricks in the town and then is like you know we'll let you out to to fuck this cold trickle guy <laughs> but you gotta go right back in i forget did you even see the cop car yeah because the cop car pulls ahead of them to pull them over it's got the okay. sirens on and everything and then there's like two other cops with them okay and uh because the one guy's like, uh, the one guy's telling him, like, oh, I pulled you over because of that right there in your hand, Harry. I remember there like being a siren, Harry. but I couldn't remember if there was but, lights. Like, I thought they could have just recreated oh, the siren, you know? But it was definitely lights flashing. It's a very, <laughs> a lot of questions in that scene. Yeah. It's foreshadowing for later. <laughs> yes. It's funny that it leads to him sexually assaulting a doctor <laughs> in the hospital. <laughs> Oh boy, we couldn't make this movie today. <laughs> um, I really oh, liked. Uh, yeah, so I guess we should just get to the crash. Cole's running good as always, and there's a wreck in front of him that uh, Rowdy's involved in. Uh, I guess he's not involved in it, but Rowdy's out in front of him. Yeah. And he's going through, there's a big, you know, pile of smoke, which today, I don't know if this is what it was back in the day, but today, if there was a big cloud of smoke, they wouldn't just say, just pick a spot, drive through it. <laughs> <laughs> I know they wouldn't do that. If you can't see in front of you, they would not tell you to like speed up and drive through it when there's a wreck in there. Well, they didn't really feature it in this movie, but like they have spotters, like they have somebody sitting in like a, yeah like a tall chair in the infield that can see like where you are on the track, like mm-hmm. a bird's eye view. And then like, tell you like, Oh, go on the high side, go on the low, go on the middle. Like, yeah. They, they can direct you better on how to get through. They don't just say, ah, just hope nobody's up there against the wall and just like hug her on the way through and, uh, you know, pray that you make it through. Yeah. I think that was just mainly for convenience because I'm sure they still had spotters. And I'm sure yeah. Harry was 
technically spotting him, but they couldn't have him, you know, up in the chair because they needed him down with everyone else so we could talk to him. Right. Or, like talk to the other pit people, like for the purposes of the they just let the any, camera shot him. Anybody sure. in the pits too. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, like, like you could anybody could be in the pits. I guess like you could have the owner there, but like like Dr. Lewick, he shows up later in the movie. Just like comes in and talks to Harry whenever it's convenient for her. Well, you can get a pit pass. It's like VIPs, you know. But I don't know. Like, it costs a lot of money. Right on the wall. Can you be right on the wall with the crew chief talking to him? Yeah, maybe not on the wall, but in '89, I'm sure you could. (laughs) I'm I'm sure you could get on the infield or whatever and tour the garages. But I don't know if you could get in there during the race. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, as Cole's driving through in front of the smoke, Rowdy, like, I think a car ends up like unusually like rolling or they got bumped high or something like that that causes Rowdy to crash into it. So the Rowdy's kind of turned sideways and then Cole hits him, T-bones him. Yeah. And then and they, they just whip yeah. 50 times. Yeah. They just go flying. Spectacular. And then they get airlifted to the hospital. Which is funny because like they basically like share a hospital room. Like <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like they're they're these intense rivals. Mm-hmm. And then they're like side by side at the hospital. Cole Trickle goes blind from concussion. Yeah. And then he regains his uh, vision just in time to sexually assault the doctor. <laughs> He's like asking her questions, like, you're the doctor here? You sure? So you just came in here to give me a look over, huh? So he grabs her. What happens next? <laughs> he grabs her hand and then puts it on his dick and says, "This is what you're looking for." <laughs> like the whole crew is in there laughing about it too. <laughs> and Harry's like, "No, don't do it, Cole. She's the real doctor." And he's like, "Oh, bullshit! I know you guys, pranksters." Yeah. Harry does apologize later, which makes everything fine. <laughs> But and then uh yeah. Well he, Harry explains why he did it and then uh Cole's like, Oh, I thought you were a hooker. So, uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. So Rowdy's a lot worse off than Cole, but you Harry's know this, wheelchairs. This violent rivalry has to stop because Big John's not too happy about it. So he's got to get the owners together and the drivers, and then they're all gonna have a big nice dinner together. You're just gonna gloss over the wheelchair race. Well, that's that's on their way to dinner. <laughs> oh, that's beforehand. They're going to the the meet with. with yeah, I guess John. they're going to the meeting, but says, yeah. Because they were leaving the hospital, they just had to leave in a wheelchair. You know. Yeah, I think that's generally the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they get separate. They're supposed to drive together to the to dinner because Big John says you guys. Is getting along now, but instead they rent. They both rent a car. Just then, terrible. Uh, they beat the shit out of terrible them. cars, like to race. They beat the shit out of these cars. I hope they got the insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like let's just get a couple of family sedans and race them. Like they're on the beachfront. They're in the inner city streets. Like they're all over the place. Yeah. Taking the scenic route to dinner. I think they're in Daytona. Okay. 
Yeah, and then like it's too close to call, right? Yeah. <laughs> both cars are barely standing and smoking in the uh, in the valet drive up of the restaurant. <laughs> How did they get back? Like, did they drive those pieces of shit back to the the rental place? I believe it was the uh, carburetor, right? Greg Cole was in the carburetor. <laughs> yes. Is the reason they're late? Big John's not too happy. Can't control your drivers. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He, they're just all for all he knows, they're just late. Yeah. And so, but he, I don't know what he's assuming. Like they're fighting or something, and that's why they're late. Your drivers aren't here. You can't control them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, don't leave the commissioner waiting. I guess is the the point to take away here. From Cole and Rowdy's perspective, like. Uh, showing up late to that dinner like is not doing them any favors as far as getting back into NASCAR because they the guy threatened to like take them out of uh of the uh you know the whole circuit. Yep. What did he call it? The Japanese inspection. You know, <laughs> the Japanese would get you know a load of lettuce and they didn't want to get it into the country, so they would let it sit on the the docks for you know a few days or weeks or whatever and then mm-hmm. by the time they go inspect it it's all you know wilted and shit and uh, rotten rotten and uh, they can't let it in doesn't meet inspection so he's like that same thing i'm gonna take you guys off of the track i'm gonna take your cars into the garage i'm gonna take them apart and inspect them for 300 laps and then uh if you can get them back uh, you know together maybe you can go and uh you know get in there before the race ends mm-hmm and then we get uh, Tom Cruise courting uh, Nicole Kidman, future wife, future ex-wife. He goes hard on it. This is the uh, first film they did together. They did three. They did this, Far and Away, and uh, Eyes Wide Shut. She's so much taller than him. Mm-hmm. And it was also uh, funny. I thought the love scene, two things stood out to me. One, well, you kind of talked about the height, but also... Nicole Kidman throws Tom Cruise into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Backs him into the wall. And also, this is a very surprisingly well-lit love scene for Tony Scott. Yeah. Because it starts out when she's examining him. There is, there's even a shot that has like a little dim bluish light. Like, okay, Mm. here we go. (laughs) It's 1990. This is right in the middle of his blue tint silhouette lovemaking days. Right. And get another one, but he uh he kind of harasses her again by just kissing her without her. <laughs> She's trying to, you know, give him a physical, and she kind of pushes him away and then tells him to get dressed. And then she's waiting for him outside. And as he tries to apologize, and she throws him into the wall and starts making out. And then it's just all well lit. It's like sunlight. It's still backlit. It's still backlit. Yeah. Well, they switch to the bedroom scene after that, which mm-hmm. like there isn't like a lot of like sex and the sex scenes or the, the love scene. It's uh, some kissing and then him explaining drafting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kiss a little more and then it cuts before like they show anything. Mm. So, uh, you know, he explains, he explains the slingshot maneuver, which uh, Chantel Dagonites is known as the shake and bake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, famously, John C. Riley is name was the Magic Man. 
Cal Naughton Jr. Yes. While this is all going on, Kerry Elvis, uh, Russ Wheeler, has been driving in Cole's car, and he's mm-hmm. just been tearing NASCAR up. He's like Cole, even quicker. Like, where did he come from? He just shows up, and then, you know, he's he's the rival for the rest of the movie. This was my second favorite car, though, because it had the Hardee's logo. The Hardee's. GSD Hardee's back in the day. I was thinking, you know, I I was trying to remember, because I, I definitely had the mellow yellow car as a toy. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that I probably got it in a kid's meal at Hardee's when they were still more uh, prevalent in the Twin Cities. Yeah, probably. Like, we didn't go to Hardee's much. Like I wasn't big on Hardee's back then. I, I don't think anybody else in our family was either, but like we'd go there for a fucking Mel Yell car. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in uh, Monte, Montevideo, Minnesota. Uh, so we didn't get a McDonald's until let's say about 93, right around oh. there. 93, 94. It's a town of five and a half thousand people. So it's pretty small. And up until then, like there was a, you know, a couple of pizza places, like a pizza ranch, and then some like local stuff. There was a Dairy Queen, and well, there was also a place called Arts Dairy Freeze, which is still there and very popular in the West Central Minnesota. Dairy Queen's not there anymore, but so we had Dairy Queen and Hardee's. They were like the only two really like fast food chain restaurants in town. And then Hardee's got replaced with the Burger King maybe a year or two after McDonald's showed up to town. But yeah, I used to love Hardee's and there's still actually a Hardee's uh, one town over that I'll, if I'm going through there, I'll make sure. And I stop, they got some good food. There's actually one at Hutchinson as well, which is on the way to the cities. So sometimes I try and stop there, although they might be closed. Pandemic might've closed them. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think, uh, I mean, there, there are quite a few Hardee's in the twin cities area. Up until, I don't know, the late 90s, maybe. And then they shut them all down. Because Carl's Jr. bought Hardee's, right? So like Carl's Jr. and Hardee's are the same company. It just depends on what part of the country you're in as far as yeah. what the, the actual store is called. So I still know there's area. one or two around the cities. I don't know if they're Hardee's or Carl's Jr.'s now, but. No, the, there's one in Hinkley still, I think. I don't think that one ever closed which is uh, on the way to northern Minnesota. And then uh, I think they actually just put one in like an Oakdale or something, I want to say. They just put a Hardee's in in Oakdale a year or two ago. So they're making a little bit of a comeback in the the area. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I'm not like bending over backwards to go to Hardee's. The nostalgia factor alone is enough to get me in there. But I'm I'm pretty sure that that's probably where I might have even had a Hardy's car, you know, based on on Russ Uliler's. But I'm guessing that that's probably where they came from was from Hardy's. Yeah, I had the Meliola car. I wonder if that's where it's from. I used to drink Meliola. I'm pretty sure Meliola was my, my pop of choice up until they discontinued it in the mid 90s. And then, uh, then I switched to Mountain Dew, and then like Melio came back, but I, I think it 
I think they changed it. Like it's it tasted. Well, they uh, changed logos a couple of times. I don't even remember them discontinuing it. I always remember it being around. Yeah, they discontinued it for a couple of years mm-hmm. in the nineties. Because um, I got, like I said, I used to get it like all the time, and then I. Because I, I remember uh, like the can design in the late. I mean, obviously the one that the logo on the car, that was early nineties, right. late eighties, yeah. and whatnot. I also remember the one in the late nineties. Like it's still around now, but like you never. You never hear about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anybody that drinks mellow yellow. Uh, I had but, it at the theater the other day, just, you know, for old time's sake. But I remember thinking when it came back, like, like they had, like, it tasted like surge. <laughs> yeah. Like, whereas before, I swear it tasted different. I, I think they changed the formula in the years that it was discontinued. And like they gave it the surge flavor, but probably less of the caffeine than surge. And then surge just kind of faded away after a while. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the uh, the plot. So Rowdy's not clear to drive yet. Neither. Well, Cole is. It's say at the same time, Cole is coming back and failing. Uh, Rowdy's not allowed to drive yet, and he won't really go into the hospital. Well, Cole, he takes uh, Dr. Uh, Lewicki on his motorcycle, Purple Rain style. Yeah. You have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. And drives <laughs> drives to the lake, the, the farm lake house, whatever the Rowdy has with, with his wife. And uh, Rowdy had missed the exam. Like he and Cole were supposed to get examined at the same time, and Rowdy no-showed. And he's like, oh, we only go to the doctor when uh, when there's something actually wrong with us. And uh, he fails the concussion test. And then uh, like he gets he gets sick on the boat, and like, yeah. he's in rough shape. Like, like he's he's no good. He can't go. But uh, he wants uh, he wants to keep trying. But anyways, yeah, Cole, he's scared. He's scared, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he doesn't have that edge anymore, and he's failing. I mean, you find out a little later, but he also uh, purposefully uh, blows an engine yeah. so he can basically quit racing. And he uh, takes out his frustrations on Russ Wheeler because Wheeler is being a dick and blocking him and then pit uh, pit lane. Yeah. And which is, it's, it seems like it's highly illegal. <laughs> it wouldn't allow that. I think it probably is. Because yeah. Harry brings it up, and like the owner's like, oh, I don't, you know, like I don't get why the owner's against him too, because like he owns both teams. Like you want well, that was weird well. too. Like, like they made it sound like it was uh, strange that he owned both teams. Like, like there's a lot of car owners in uh, NASCAR that own multiple cars, and yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but it made it seem like. As opposed to like how it is now, where like you have a group of cars or drivers that are all representing the same owner, yeah, and like like you're still racing as an individual, but you work together as a team. Like it made it sound like he was competing against himself. It was like it didn't make sense to me, like the way they presented it. Uh, Brett, you know the saying: if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. <laughs> So yeah, he Cole goes and rams Russ Wheeler as he's taking a victory lap, <laughs> holding the flag out the window, just ram wrecks both cars. 
And the fact that he races after this, like Big John allows it, is just baffling to me. There's no way in hell, even in 1990, <laughs> he, he was already mad at him, like being in a wreck. And the wreck wasn't like, neither of them was trying to do it. Right. It was just like your rivalry is dangerous, you know? And then yeah. <laughs> this rivalry is also dangerous. And he, I don't know, tries to kill the other driver basically <laughs> with his car. <laughs> it's just, he's allowed to race at, at the Daytona 500. The marquee event. I didn't even think about that. I was just so pumped <laughs> up that he went and smashed him. <laughs> like, yes, get that motherfucker. <laughs> like, Carrie Elwes always plays that uh, snobby, entitled uh, fucking character. Yeah. Like, like in this and then Liar Liar and whatever else he's done. Like, half, uh, half or more of the roles he plays, he's just like a snobby fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah. You go, Cole. You do that. That's great. <laughs> but uh, we just have a couple clips left here. I guess three. The next one is Cole trying to get Rowdy to go to the hospital. You're not looking too good. I mean, these things you chew every day. What'd you come here for? Take you to the hospital? If it'd been anybody but a damn woman doctor, I'd been back on the track weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Listen, man, I've raced with my legs broke, heart bruised, eyes popping out of my head like they're on springs. This is gonna go away just like anything else. As far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna live forever unless I go to some damn hospital where they take your shoes off and make you shut your eyes and bang you dead. What'd you win this for? This one. Right here, what'd you win this for? Doesn't it say? Yeah, it's the Winston Cup, buddy. Well, hell, that's an easy one to forget. What's your name, or has that slipped your mind, too? Screw you, man. Okay. We can go down there and fix your head. We can fix it right here! Now, where's it gonna be? If it wasn't for that damn woman doctor. <laughs> he had a bruised heart. He raced with a bruised heart. Like, yeah. It's kind of shocking that in 1990, like his character has to quit racing because of concussions. It doesn't seem that it was a topic in any sport in 1990, let alone, you know, racing. Like you would think, you know, fo- I mean, football famously didn't really get into it for about another two decades <laughs> but um like especially in racing like like they didn't seem like they'd even be you know looking out for concussions well well he couldn't even stand up so that's a problem yeah and, he uh, couldn't stand up with his eyes closed they did that test and he fell and he couldn't uh he couldn't drive his boat without getting sick mm-hmm. um plus now he's forgetting stuff the winston winston cup which is their series cup at the time plus he uh he needed brain surgery so he yeah. had like actual brain damage i guess um although yeah. he did drive the car to the restaurant yeah <laughs> but it was a photo finish <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, here's the clip of the brain surgery, and uh, this is right after Cole wrecked Russ Wheeler, and he's done racing basically. I should um, may should mention it real quick. Tim did fire the entire team after Cole yeah. wrecked him and wrecked both cars. <laughs> Cole, uh, this is Dr. Will. He's going to be doing the surgery. Trickle, trickle. Cole? So how is he? Well, the doc here says I need minor brain surgery. Well, that's not exactly how I put it. Well, listen, doc, any surgery on his brain is bound to be minor. <laughs> Y'all mind if I talk to this guy a second? Of course. say I got a busted blood vessel in my brain. So they want to drill a hole in my head. Get rid of the leaky blood. You think I should let them do it, Cole? Yeah. You'd let them if it was you? I would. Okay. Then I gotta ask you to do something for me. I'll name it. Drive my car. What are you talking about? Daytona. Plenty of time to get ready for Daytona. You don't need me. I lost my sponsor. They put their money on me, not the car. Now they ain't too sure I'm gonna come out of this deal. Are you? I got a lot of land and a lot of plans I ain't paid for. So the only way to get my sponsor back is to make sure my car runs good at Daytona. All that network TV shit, you know. Well, you don't need me. I mean, there's plenty of other drivers. You don't need me. Don't give me that mealy mouth shit, you son of a bitch. I gotta put a driver in my car that'll finish in the top five before my sponsors will pick up the tab for the year. Maybe after Daytona, maybe I can drive. Maybe it'll be a different driver, but in the meantime, I want the best for my family. So don't you bullshit me, Cole. Is there some other reason why I ain't good enough for you to drive for? So he's got himself a car and apparently he wasn't suspended or disciplined in any way trying to murder another driver on the track. <laughs> he was, he was fired by the team owners. So, uh, I mean, probably that solved, was a little discipline. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like I could see like, okay, he doesn't have a car anymore. So NASCAR doesn't have to sanction him or anything like that. But once he gets, he can't just like show up, to Daytona on race day and like who's that in the car there was oh, that Cole Trickle <laughs> how'd he get past security how'd that happen well especially because like you gotta go like there's like three days of practice and and polls and yeah time trials <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I, I don't know like I think you need to give a little advance notice if you're gonna try to race at Daytona mm-hmm. He had to go convince Harry to yep. uh, join him again because he's worried about uh, having another 
driver die under his watch. Yeah, and he says, uh, you know, the 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 ruling on Harry's death was that he had a heart attack and then he slammed into the wall, and then like the rumors were like something that uh, Harry did to the car caused carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm-hmm. You know, carbon monoxide to back up into the car and that that killed Buddy, and then he hit the wall because he was unconscious mm-hmm. and. Uh, Harry's like, he's just a shitty driver. Like, yeah. He was the loudest dead man I've ever heard. He was talking all the way till you hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then we uh, brings us to Daytona. Harry has a heart to heart with the car. Yeah, and then he <laughs> finds that it's leaking oil. They got to change the engine right before the race, which I don't know if that's allowed. I think you got to go back to the the back of the pack if you do that. Like you lose your, uh, if you make any mod modifications to the car after the the inspection. uh, Well, that and after the pull, after you you drive the whatever you call it to figure out the pole position. Suppose. Uh, I think they they put you back at the end of the line to start the race if you make any changes after that i see all right well yeah here's our last clip this is just a couple of the drivers talking about cole returned to daytona which was the site of his terrible wreck with rowdy daytona is a is a tough racetrack and i'm sure myself and everybody we're gonna keep an eye on cole to see if he's there, you know, all his reflexes and everything. He's plenty capable of running that race car good, and I don't think he has any kind of effects from the accident that would uh, be a factor in the way he performs. I'm glad he's well enough to come back, and uh, I hope I beat him at the same time. You know, a lot of guys don't like him, and it's just a situation where the guy's got a lot of talent, and he's wide open. He doesn't think about anything else. He just wants a win. I like that. Since the crash, he's been a danger to himself and to other drivers. But uh, if he comes near me, I'm going to put him in the wall. Simple as that. I don't expect I'll see too much of him, except in my rear view mirror. Oh, that Russ Wheeler. Oh, you get it? In his rear view mirror? Yeah. It means he's, he's going to be behind be him the whole time. going to be in the last place. <laughs> what if Russ uh, is about to lap him, though? Then he'd be in front of him. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> I think uh, after that, uh, for some reason, uh, Dr. Lewicki is just all over the track, just all the time. Like, she's not involved whatsoever until this guy gets hurt. And then she's like his girlfriend and his doctor and all this shit. And uh, he says, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of being hurt. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is like, so they get racing and then there's another crash, like the one that yeah. led to the, the injuries the year before. In fact, I think they used the same <laughs> crash and like camera shots because the, the smoke footage. looked the exact same. It did. I mean, it I think might the, have been the same shot. Like him approaching it, it seemed like it was the same camera shot. And he picks a line and he, he just busts through and he doesn't know what's going to happen and he's bracing for impact. And he comes through clear, and he's he's the old Cole again, and he's he's driving and he's doing really good and moving his way up the pack. Like he moves up like forty spots, 
mm-hmm. in like 10 laps or some shit like that. And then uh, he gets up to second place behind Russ. And then they get a, they get a, what a caution with three laps to go. And he has to pit and he ends up in ninth place because there's a, well, he wasn't first because he did pass him initially. That's right. He, he passed he him in then, first place. Yeah. They had some problems in the pits costed him all the way. Yeah. He was back in ninth or whatever with, with less than 10 laps to go. I think, I think there was three laps. And then once he, well, I don't know how many laps there were, but uh, yeah, maybe there was 10 laps to go and he was in ninth place. And then there was a, I don't know, but they end up with two laps to go and he's in second place and him and Russ are kind of maneuvering back and forth, trading paint (laughs) and Cole sets them up. He, he always passes on the, on the outside, on the high side. And, uh, he, he spends three laps teasing that he's going to go around on the high side. And then here Mm -hmm. comes lap four and he's drafting on him and he slingshots on the inside and, uh, he gets the win. He puts Russ into the wall a little bit. Russ, he's like, I know Cole. He always goes high. And uh, yeah, that's that's the movie. Well, not quite, because Harry is he. He doesn't know how to react. Mm-hmm. He's he seems kind of dejected for somebody who just won the Daytona 500 as the crew chief. Yeah. And uh, Cole comes over and says, "What's going on? What's uh, I, you know, we won." Why don't you come with me? We're going, we're going over there. And he's like, we're to victory lane. <laughs> and there he goes. Okay. I'll race you. And then they start foot racing to victory lane and freeze frames. Six-year-old Robert Duvall still got some wheels on him. Although he says he's only 59. 59. <laughs> God, is he still alive? Oh yeah. He's still, he's still making alive. movies, isn't he? Yeah. Holy shit. He sure is. Oh, that's right. He was in the 12 Mighty Orphans. He was born in 31, January 5th of 31. So he's already 90 years old. Yeah. Which tracks? 59 and 1990? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, let's get into the fun facts here. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. So production began without a finished script. Scenes were often written the day of filming. During one driving sequence, Tom Cruise actually had to read his lines off cue cards attached to his windshield, which resulted in a minor car accident. For subsequent driving sequences, sequences, Cruise was fitted with a special earpiece to have lines fed to him. Yeah, um, to piggyback off of that, this was not a a tight, well-run ship, this production. <laughs> uh, there is overruns and delays. And reportedly, it was only after f- shooting was finished that the filmmakers discovered they had neglected to film Cole Trickle's car actually crossing the finish lane at Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we got to go back. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Uh, some footage for the movie was shot during the 1990 Daytona 500 Two additional cars driven by Bobby Hamilton and Tommy Ellis were added to the rear of the field for the express purpose of shooting them for this film. They're not officially scored and left the racetrack after 100 miles, uh, which is 40 laps were completed. At one point in the race, leader Dale Earnhardt even lapped the movie cars. That's not too surprising. 
Here's a fun fact. Apparently Simpson originally intended to take a supporting role as fellow driver, but it was reduced to only uh, one line, you know, those couple of cameos there. Mm. I wonder if he was going to be the, the Russ Wheeler then <laughs> character type. The scene where Harry tells Cole to go out and hit the pace car is based on a real life situation with driver Buddy Baker and his crew chief at the time, Harry Hyde, on whom Harry Hogue is uh, based. Or Harry Hogg, however you say his name. The movie was conceived by Tom Cruise when he and Paul Newman were allowed to test one of Rick Hendricks's race cars. Tom's first lap was in excess of 180 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Cole's first car in the film is sponsored by City Chevrolet, a real-life car dealership in Charlotte, North Carolina, owned by Rick Hendrick. Ooh. Nice little connection there. Here's another fun fact. So Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, and sometimes Robert Town often started their days on set having arguments with Tony Scott over how to shoot scenes. Meanwhile, the crew sat around getting paid, sometimes for 20, for 20 hours a day. Some later said that they had made so much overtime on the film that they could have gone on vacation for full or for four full months after the wrap date. So they're just paying people to sit around because Tony Scott couldn't uh, agree with the producers on how to shoot the, the movie. Hmm. Here's a fun one. Uh, I didn't realize it at first, but uh, the actor that plays Dr. Will Hare, seen briefly in the scene when uh, Rowdy's in the hospital, I think it's talking about the brain surgery, is the same one who plays Tom Cruise's adversary, Dr. Brunner, in Rain Man. He's the one that's saying Raymond's got to come back to the Institute and whatnot. Okay. It's like a custody battle with him. Yep. Same dude. The scene where Cole leaves the pits after Grace to hit Russ Wheeler is based on an actual event during the 1987 All-Star race at Charlotte, North Carolina between drivers Bill Elliott and Dale Earnhardt. So it actually happened. <laughs> Uh, when Cole Trickle and Claire arrive at the hotel shortly after the incident at the racetrack involving uh, Cole hitting the other race car in victory lap, they are in a 91 Chevrolet Caprice. The car was supplied by Hendrick Chevrolet. Since this film was released in June 1990, the scene was probably filmed during post-production. The 91 model uh, year was not available for sale until late October. Dealerships receive next model year vehicles starting in May, but they are not offered for sale until October. Is that still the case to today? They don't sell them till October? The uh, next year models? No, well, I think it varies, but uh, I think they, they start sending out, selling them earlier, like August or September. Mm. I think some might even come out in July, but uh, yeah. In a scene, Trickle is told he cannot pit because the crew is too busy eating ice cream. This incident actually occurred at the 1987 Southern 500 involving the Hendrick Motorsports number 35 team with crew chief Harry Hyde and Richmond's replacement driver, Benny Parsons. Mm. It's amazing how much of this stuff that you think is total bullshit is like based on reality. Yeah. Here's another fun fact. Quentin Tarantino said the film was his favorite big budget racing movie. Yeah, yeah, you laugh, but seriously, I'm a big fan. To me, Days of Thunder is the movie Grand Prix from 1966 and Le Mans from 1971 should have been. 
Sure, it had a big budget, big stars, and a big director in Tony Scott, but it had the fun of those early AIP movies. I just don't think it works if you take the whole thing too seriously. <laughs> a man of taste. He's a big Tony Scott fan. All cars used in the movie for the races had to pass inspection and qualify. Bobby Hamilton qualified in one of the movie cars in the top 10. They removed the cameras and he was allowed to enter the race. Here's a fun fact. So here's a little more detail on Don Simpson's character. Uh, Don Simpson was excited to be cast as a rival race car driver named Aldo and worked hard for the role. Problem was he had no acting ability and his scenes were awful. So a plan to have Aldo as a major supporting character was nixed and Simpson ended up having only one brief scene. Speculation afterwards held that Tony Scott shot the earlier longer scenes featuring Simpson badly on purpose so they would be able to eliminate or greatly reduce his acting efforts. <laughs> That's funny. So I could kind of see it, but then again, it's like, how many times is he going to, you know, shit on his... <laughs> producing partner <laughs> i mean maybe that's the reason it's joel silver in true romance and not him you know we the did, inspiration but we did say that uh they would spend like entire days arguing about stuff and not filming you know yeah uh at daytona for the final race of the movie gentlemen start your engines is the voice of burt reynolds ah Nice. All right, I think we could probably just end there. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, well, we're going to be starting our uh, horror extravaganza. We'll probably have one more recently uh, seen episode come out, and then we'll kind of announce what we're going to do during the said horror extravaganza. But uh, yeah, I'll be looking out for that in the near future. Otherwise, any updates on your podcast, Brett? uh no <laughs> well still, you can uh still listen to the back catalog still not make new episodes yet positively um, wolfy podcast yeah there's there's 47 episodes out there uh i did it for a year uh minus one month uh in the middle or towards the beginning kind of so i mean you got lots of stuff uh to listen to if you want to check it out uh it's still out there but uh still not uh not making new episodes right now so not sure if or when i'll or start doing that again but uh maybe soon and where can folks get some lovely merch you can go to wtm watch this movie dot creator dash spring dot com uh i got an email i don't know if you got one in your mailbox i got one for the positively wolfie store saying that we should raise our prices because their spring is having higher quality merchandise now i don't know i haven't looked at it too closely but as long as we're not uh priced below the um you know the 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 cost of the the product i'll probably just leave them where they're at so um and they're like i set them cheaper than recommended and um so it's like it's not a lot of money comparatively speaking mm -hmm. uh if you want to go check that out plus it helps us uh, at the podcast yeah so. it helps out the show and you can get some uh 
There's some uh, sweet designs that uh, Brett designed. Or yeah. some sweet shirts that Brett designed. Um, some custom designs. Uh, both like uh, just like our logo and also a couple of scenes from movies. You had that Chris Penn one from Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Um, I think there's a Rasputia one out there too. Yeah. <laughs> and of course uh, I'm wearing bottoms. You have that uh, head sheriff in charge one you made. After our discussion from uh, was a Motel Hell or a couple of yeah. movies from around then, yeah, I think it was Motel Hell where that came up. There's also alternate versions of uh, the WTM logo. So they, we have the the main logos in uh, black and white, and then we have different color variations on that, and then just like alternate logos uh, for WTM. Mm-hmm. Lots of different designs. Yeah, be sure and check that out. And you can uh, reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis__movie or brett at positivelywolf1. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking Chicky about? Chicky later. Chicky later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. You're not going to do anything weird on my leg, are you, Cole?